Well, thank you guys for for uh, agreeing to be interviewed today. We appreciate you coming out, and why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves. Yeah, I'm Jay Kempton. I'm the president and CEO of the Kempton Group. We're an independent third-party benefits administrator here in Oklahoma City. Okay. I'm Keith Smith. I'm co-founder of Surgery Center of Oklahoma, co-founder with Jay, Free Market Medical Association. Happy to be here. Okay. So tell me a little bit about Surgery Center of Oklahoma. Uh, Surgery Center of Oklahoma is a a price-transparent, free market-minded facility. We put all the prices on a website about 10 years ago that we had been quoting over the phone since we opened in 1997. Uh, And that was a a move, I think, that helped people in this part of the country, but I think it's helped people in other parts of the country, too, that have either uh, copied our model because uh, it, was, it was the right thing to do or because they lost business to us. Uh, but it's also been good for patients that have used our pricing to leverage a better deal wherever they are. Uh, we, the, the latest thing, I think, at the Surgery Center of Oklahoma that's noteworthy um, are the large number of people from uh, far from Oklahoma who are traveling here for their care. Um, in the last two weeks, we've seen patients from Cameroon, Cuba, Pakistan, and Brazil, and Canada. And it's just, it's just uh, you know, these ideas are powerful, and it's a it's it's really a tribute to the power of these ideas. And once they get out there, it's it's a movement I think that is and it can't be stopped. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think the the free market can't be stopped, and any time we try to stop it, it it, it ends up prevailing eventually. Um, even in those countries that you talk about that are seeking healthcare here, Cuba, for instance, you know, um, they, they they find a way to accept, um, access the free market. So you know, you speak of. Um, I, I just think what you've done, Dr. Smith, is 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 you have really shaken the market up in a great way. And, you know, thank you for the tour of your facility this morning. And I really appreciate it. A wonderful facility, great idea. Um, I noticed this as I was driving out. Um, there's, you know, you were talking about uh, a partnership you kind of have with a, a, an ER in town. And I noticed a, a sign, a big billboard sign for them. And I just realized that, you know, that is probably something that probably wouldn't have happened. I'm guessing if it wasn't for you. I mean, I'm, I'm sure, I, that was after you guys, right? That was after the Surgeon General Oklahoma, correct? I don't think that's a terrible overstatement, um, but the the individuals that put that facility together are some of the most courageous in this movement that I've met, and no no statement should be made that detracts from uh, the incredible courage it took to do what they've done. Absolutely, they have told me that they. Um, some of the uncertainty that they had as entrepreneurs was mitigated by knowing that we were successful taking a similar path. And I think ultimately that has been our contribution. And we work together, Jay works with them. Um, it, and I, Jay needs to talk more about this, but I think it's important for people to know, and I think a lot of physicians don't understand this, this movement is fueled by the buying power of self-funded employers. And and I think the average person in the United States doesn't even know truly what a self-funded employer is. 
um, and how important they are to this movement, how incredibly disruptive uh, they can be of the status quo, uh, and how really completely removed they are from most of anything that the goons in D.C. can come up right. with. So, um, that, and that, you asked you know, for us to talk about how we work together. Jay represents clients who buy from me, and if it weren't for his clients, we'd be out of business. So, you know, you have to have a buyer and a seller. Right, right. That's free market, right? Supply and demand. We're all, we're all about <laughs> that. Market. And Jay, um, Jay represents, in an honest, transparent way, his clients who are buyers, and they choose to buy from a whole host of facilities, mine being just one, uh, but the OKER bunch is another. Um, there's a long list, uh, and far from here, too. Yeah. Well, one thing I like about the ER example is that I think one of the things that I always get, so, you know, being the um, owner of a pharmacy, we have a cash pharmacy, we, we, we have a health and wellness model now, but we um, we still, we work with a lot of cash physicians, type physicians and providers that um, I've always looked to us because we were kind of in the forefront of it before they were. We've helped some of them go along the way and, you know, get out of the insurance market and um, which is very brave for them just like you say I mean it, it is very courageous to do that um, but so we still get um, um, you know questions all the time from them and from patients hey I've got XYZ procedure to be done you know who's a good place to go to that's a cash a good cash provider and one of the things that that really in that mix it makes it a little bit tough sometimes is well what about emergencies you know so to see an ER that is, you know, getting into this is just it's just amazing because I am gonna guess I, I'm not gonna guess I know it's a guess but I'm gonna live to say this but that is just the first of one in many 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 states. I mean that's gonna happen. Growing. I mean you know their their location here in Oklahoma City is not their first. Awesome. They they actually started in, in Texas and several uh, locations there and then started the location in Oklahoma City but I think they're. I think they've already broken ground on a new facility uh, in Tulsa. They're open so, in Tulsa. Uh, they're open, okay. Well, I knew that they were getting ready to, to make that move. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so it's already moved beyond, uh, you know, one location quite a long time ago. That's awesome. Same model. Yeah, yeah. So give us a little introduction about yourself, Jane, what you do. Yeah, um, here at uh, here at the Kenta Group, we're, we're one of, uh, of a few. Uh, there's still a few of us. Uh, uh, relics out in, in the United States, but we're an independent uh, third-party administrator. And so, as Dr. Smith was saying, that uh, you know, when when you have an employer that uh, is tired of of playing the the insurance game, and they're looking for a a more efficient model of of providing benefits or health insurance to their employees, they they choose to self-insure. Um, uh, the uh, tax code allows for that. Uh, but most businesses that choose self-insure, they're busy making widgets or whatever they do, and they need a, uh, a third party to uh, administer and design their plan, to process their medical claims, to assist their employees uh, with care navigation, et cetera. And that's what my company does. Uh, we're a service company. We're not an insurance company. Uh, we're kind of a uh, medical, healthcare-related um, clerical service, really. But uh, we act uh, as kind of like the, the back office of a little employer-owned insurance company, if you, if you wanted to draw an analogy. So um, we're, we're an independent, and so we also have kind of a, 
uh, a pretty pure view of our role and, and, and how we want to be seen and how we, we want to interact with our clients. We get paid solely by our clients, which is pretty unique. Um, as you know, being in the pharmacy world, um, you know, getting paid by your customer is just part of the, the shell game that can, you know, the, you know, people in healthcare can have a hundred different revenue streams if right. you're, if you, if you're kind of have loose, loose, uh, ethics. It's the same thing in my world. Um, third party administrators, they can, uh, they can charge a percentage of savings. They can charge a percentage of spend. Uh, all of these things that uh, essentially, if if the employer uh, has ever incurs ever increasing healthcare costs, if you've kind of hitched your revenue wagon to ever increasing healthcare costs, it's a great way to get rich, but you become part of the problem. And so we chose not to do that. Um, since we get paid by our clients just uh, for administrative services, the way that we get more clients and we have healthy clients is by teaching their employees and their dependents on how to find and, and purchase high-value health care um, from high-value medical providers, ones that have very high quality and have very low cost. And finding those types of medical providers in the status quo that is American healthcare is very difficult. Right. There are whole industries uh, arrayed to make sure that you don't know um, you know, where a good place to buy healthcare is. And so um, when I uh, was introduced to, to Dr. Smith at Surgery Center of Oklahoma back in I think it was late 2011 um, by a client of ours that happened to be a neighbor of his, um, it really kind of opened our eyes. And, and uh, you know, probably the reason that we're here and uh, together on a podcast with you and, and are both co-founders of the Free Market Medical Association is because when we did meet, um, I represented what, what I would consider kind of pure demand uh, for high value care. Uh, the employers, they just want happy and healthy employees and they want to figure out how they get happy, healthy employees at the lowest price point possible. They're kind of the purest cash buyer out there, uh, very much like an individual patient. And then Surgery Center of Oklahoma was a very willing seller that was looking for willing buyers. and. Uh, so when you had supply and demand meet, um, we really kind of created a, a ripple in the pond, at least here in Oklahoma, that's started to sp- uh, spread all over the country. Yeah, I, I've heard of some um, some other TPAs popping up. I know of one coming up in Washington State, and, and one of the ways it came up was from a cash provider like Dr. Smith, yeah. who you know is a direct primary care provider, actually primary care, So, and he... Um, you know, there was there's a need for it. Absolutely. So, is there anything? Is there any kind of law that passed, or what? What made you change? 2011, 2008. There's a lot of changes going on in healthcare. What What made you make some changes then? Was there anything that really made you change then? About well, um, you know, if you think uh, through the the timeline there, um, 2010 was when the Affordable Care Act came into play. Yeah. Uh, being an independent, family-owned administration company, all the experts in my industry said, "Well, you know, if you're not one of the big insurance carriers, you know, you're dead already. The body's just not cold, and you should—you're not even going to have a place in this industry." And, and it really wasn't that much fun because, again, you know, I was trying to do the best I could for my employers and uh, and their employees and dependents, and. 
you know, it was very, very difficult to navigate the healthcare system. You know, you really had to rely on some of these discount schemes that are, are hatched by the insurance companies or these preferred provider organizations. And that was really kind of the only way um, to, to navigate care. And it was a really poor way uh, of doing that. And so um, what changed really for me is it was, I was either, I was seriously thinking about getting out of this disgusting business because I was just had it. I just, when you can't affect change, positive change, you just don't want to be part of it anymore. And luckily, um, you know, before I made a, 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 the bad decision of, of getting out of the business, that's, you know, Dr. Smith and I met and he was like a, just this little ray of hope. <laughs> that you know, first thing you know, I kind of well, at least there's there's one crazy one in the bunch, right? And I never thought that it would grow beyond right. Surgery Center of Oklahoma, and yeah. then um, and but like you've said, you know, the, the market started to work uh, yeah. again. A buyer met a seller, and uh, you know, next thing I knew, uh, I had competitors that were trying to emulate what I was doing, and then Dr. Smith had competitors that. Uh, on the on the supply side that we're looking to emulate what he was doing and uh, you know it's like, you know, like they say the rest is history and we we hope that we were part of um, you know kind of the, the the free market kind of DIY health reform movement yeah well, I think you guys are so tell me a little bit about how this works um, for for our viewers and and for myself so an employer comes to to your company to um, Try to insure. Their, would you call it that? Try to insure. Their, yeah, well, their we're, we're going to say self-insure, but yeah, they're going to. Okay. They're going to. They're they they're, they have an obligation if they're over fifty employees, which most of them are, to provide you know Obamacare um, compliant um, benefits uh, insurance coverage, but they don't want to pay a premium to an insurance company. They would rather take the funds that they were sending off to the big insurance company. They'd rather keep it right there at their employer, right there, and, and hold on to those funds. And as their employees uh, incur health claims, have medical bills, et cetera, they're paying me to process those bills, making sure that they're um, accurate, make sure that we're able to get the best deal we can. But we're, we actually are, are, are paying these medical bills out of uh, this, this pot of money that the employer has, instead of sending to the insurance company, has just kept right there uh, at the employer, and so they're only they're paying as they go. So there is no profit uh, motive of an insurer or anything else. They only pay for what uh, for the medical costs that they incur. So if they can have help, happy, healthy employees at a lower price point, it drops right to the bottom line of the employer. Right. And so um, that's where I get back to it's. You know, having happy, healthy employees that show up every day and, and want to go to work and aren't worried about their sick kid, those are pretty good. Those are pretty pure motives. And um, again, an employer uh, has, most people don't really think of it this way, but most employers, at least that we do business with, they're kind of small, middle sized companies, they have a very pure motive, very much like an individual patient would. They want to be taken care of, and they, but they don't want to get taken advantage of financially. So there's no insurance company involved whatsoever. Is that what you're telling me? We do have uh, what's known as reinsurance or stop loss insurance. That is at a uh, usually at a much higher uh, level of coverage. That you know, if you had a, an employer with 200 employees 
and they have you know a, a premature baby that was a million dollars worth of Correct. medical expense that could put a pretty good dent in that size of a company so most of those employers will buy what's known as a reinsurance policy that it might have a deductible of $75,000 um, per individual, which if we're managing their, their health plan, um, uh, again, trying to uh, make them aware of, of free market-minded, uh, good guy medical providers like Surgery Center of Oklahoma, those, they, may, they may go for years and never ever hit that reinsurance level yeah. uh, and reinsurance is a fraction of the cost of traditional health insurance because of the deductibles so absolutely well and so this reinsurance is it through a typical insurance health insurance company the no, reinsurance they're, no. they're actually through a, re, a reinsurance carrier they're not regulated as health insurance because they really aren't you'll you'll never have a reinsurance company write a check to a hospital or okay. to a doctor it's really business insurance and so okay. it protects the employer from these catastrophic um, losses on their health plans. So the health insurers are still out of the picture. They are out of the picture. I love it. Because I think that's part of the problem with the, you know, the health insurers have got in bed with the, the, the physicians and the pharmacies and the hospitals, and that payment system is really, really messed up. Well, it's not exactly as rosy as you may say that self-insurance is the end-all to be-all because the insurance companies have gotten into the self-insurance business. Uh, so we have a lot of competitors that where uh, an employer may be self-insured, like what we've been discussing, but their administrative company that they've hired to run their plan might be one of the big insurance companies. I see. That okay. is acting as a, a third-party administrator. Now, when, when, and that's something that Dr. Smith and I learned uh, quickly from one another, um, because when I told him, well, I'm a TPA and I provide administrative services, he, that was not good news to him. Because for him, TPA was a four-letter word because he was used to self-insured employers that had, you know, Big Blue as yeah. their third-party administrator. And that looked just like any other insurance contract. Yeah. Even though the money was coming from the employer as opposed to the insurance company to a medical provider, the, the, the kind of the Gestapo tactics that are, are, are put in place when those negotiations happen and the games play, they're the same. Yeah. Well, and thank you for clearing that up because, you know, being in the healthcare industry myself and used to, you know, years ago when we took payments for those insurance companies, um, I kind of didn't understand the difference between what you were doing and what they were doing. So I appreciate you clearing that up because it is, that is a major difference. And ultimately the, the employer is still empowered, it sounds like, and they're also empowered to make sure that their employees are healthy. And I don't think in another model that's really the case necessarily. It, it, it's not because the employer really doesn't have a lot of, um, I don't have a lot of discretion to, to, I mean, you know, Dr. Smith spends way, way too much time trying to, um, have one of the insurance companies that's administering a, a self-funded employer's plan just to get them out of the way so that Surgery Center of Oklahoma can do business with the employer. And those two parties want to do business together. But, you know, you've got this middleman that's in place that has their own agenda. Right, right. So tell me what you think uh, the future is of, uh, you know, your, your ideas. Yeah, I mean, they, they, uh, these, these concepts expand every day. Um, I can, uh, you know, we're, we're doing very well as a company. Uh, our, these ideas are resonating with employers. Um, 
and I also think we're doing something right because I seem to have more and more competitors that are trying to emulate what we do, which is kind of our definition of success. Right. <laughs> Uh, and, the, and the other nice thing about it is kind of the bad guys of healthcare, the, the folks that, that uh, distort the market. Um, it's some of, the, some of the principles that we're educating and trying to, to put forth, uh, you know, via the Free Market Medical Association. Um, many of these, uh, these emulators, if you will, they're also, uh, you know, they're staying within some of those free market principles and it's starting to make life more and more uncomfortable for the healthcare cartel out there, which we just, I mean, that's like just icing on the cake. Yeah. Yeah. I love that too. And you know, um, so my story about how I got introduced to Dr. Mm -hmm. Smith was I, I heard about his, his, uh, surgery center on Fox news years ago when he was interviewed by John Stossel or not only he's interviewed, were you interviewed by John Stossel? Yeah, yeah, you were. And, um, and it was just talking about free market principles. Stossel is big on that. And, you know, at the time, our pharmacy was not building any insurance, and we were just accepting, you know, um, cash from patients or, you know, um, that or form of. of. And, um, you know, and when we first did that, you know, in 2002, we had colleagues that told us we're crazy, we're not going to be in business a year later, and, you know, there's no way you can do this, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I really found that intriguing. And then um, I started this, I started writing a book about five years ago, just because, you know, being in healthcare almost 25 years and, and just hearing all these stories about how, how, you know, to navigate the system and, you know, the, the, the ripoffs of, of the overcharges and all this bad service and stuff. It was just, I just want to get the stories out there and, um, and really just an educate and empower patients that they have options, right? Because you know, a lot of times patients don't know that. So I started writing this book and I hired somebody to help me and I centered it and, and it was a process in itself to find people because it, you know, at first they're just thinking, oh, this, this guy's, this guy's crazy. This guy is nuts. You are crazy. This is a crazy idea. And, um, so anyway, the gal that finally said yes, who I'm still working with her to this day is just awesome. And I sent her a video of Dr. Smith's um, interview with John Stossel. And um, she's just, she just reached out to him and, and said, hey, you know, you want to talk to Sean? And I, I was just ecstatic that he talked to me. And we had a, like a 45-minute phone conversation last April, I believe. And, you know, some of the things he mentioned, it's like, oh, yeah, this is, I'm not the only one that thinks like this, right? And we got off the phone and Crystal goes, Sean, you're not the only crazy one out there. <laughs> and I think, and really, that whole process, I just, there's a lot of us out there. The, the, the louder we get, the more people come out because they're not as afraid to stand up. Sure. There's a lot of people, including a lot of doctors, that are such a slave to the system. They know it's wrong. They know what they're doing is wrong, and they don't feel good about it. But they are so deep in it, they're scared to stand up. And I think the more of us that they do, know how to get out of it. They, it's tough, yeah. Yeah, and so anyway, I think this creates an avenue. Just us, us showing them, you know, that that it can be done is is just a great thing, you know, to get get the word out there. So, yeah. So, what do you see as the future, Doctor Smith, and some some changes to our system? Um, what do you see as the future of the surgery center? Yeah, we're we're definitely at Surgery Center of Oklahoma in a growth mode. Uh, the Free Market Medical Association is definitely in a growth mode. Uh, more and more interest from 
positions, facilities, and employers. Um, Washington, D.C. is definitely in a credibility crisis place, uh, which we hope continues. Um, any, any sort of solution that is mentioned or uh, promoted by the folks in D.C. should be met with as much skepticism as someone can muster. Um, everything they do either goes wrong because it's poorly planned or it goes wrong because they're intentionally evil and conflicted uh, or some combination of those two things. The nice thing I think that has happened is that the current White House occupant um, has changed the conversation. So I'm not a fan of government mandates to make anyone do anything. Uh, they typically have unintended consequences. But uh, to mandate that hospitals uh, have to, and insurance companies have to reveal their contracted rates is pretty disruptive. Um, even if it doesn't happen, it's tied up in court. Even if that doesn't happen, it's changed the conversation. Uh, I used to be, I think, spotlighted as an outlier. You know, how can you do this? How can you show your prices? How can they be so low? And I really do think the conversation has changed. And I think a little bit of the credit has to, has to go to, to the White House. Because the question now is, well, there are people showing their prices and it can be done. Why aren't you showing yours? So I think, I think that in itself is reason for optimism. There are other reasons to be optimistic uh, for 2020 and beyond. I think you can just push people so far. You can just bankrupt people so many times. Uh, you can just have you know, the Marty McCarries of the world, you know, on all of the talk shows talking about hospitals that are suing patients for the balance they owe. You can just do that so much before there's a tipping point, there's a real serious pushback and a demand for change. Um, the change I uh, would be in favor of, and I think J2 is, is from the ground up. It's never imposed on people from the top down. Uh, and so any ideas Washington, D.C. has about a solution should be rejected. All the solutions should, should be a manifestation of the market at work. And the only way the market can work is if the government gets out of the way. So I think there are any number of solutions that could emerge. The solution in Mississippi or Washington might look a little different than the one in Oklahoma, although probably based on the same same principles. But we, Jay and I, have got our finger on this pulse and we are watching this develop and I'm here to tell you we are both extremely optimistic um, about 2020 and beyond. I, the saying I use, the horse is out of the barn and it's not going back in. I think that uh, the ideas of honest, cheaper, and better are very difficult uh, to to argue with. And, and I think people, there's a there's a critical mass of people that now know it's it's possible and it's the right thing to do. So what what can the government do? I yeah. do. The, Go ahead, the, the one thing I was going to to add to that, which is a thing is important for your viewers to to really understand and listen to, is 
you know, the, the current occupant of the White House is, is, is I, I will slightly disagree with you as far as, I don't think he, that he's changed the conversation. He's simply starting to notice and then repeat the conversation that we've been having for years. Agreed. Right. He sounded like a card carrying <laughs> member of the Free Market Network <laughs> Association <laughs> at, at the executive order. On the tra- price transparency, without a doubt. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He, I thought, is this guy a member? Yeah. <laughs> and, and all of this momentum and all of this, uh, you know, this this looming transparency uh, has been done with zero government intervention, zero mandates. So it's all. I mean, if if this thing is to, if it slows down in the coming years, I can assure you, it will not be because of the failure of the market. It'll be because the government decided to get involved with it. And I think that's something that everybody needs to understand. This. All of the momentum that's been created so far, it, you know, it started like, you know, that, that little ripple in the pond in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma, right? You know, it's flyover country. And and it is continuing to reverberate. And if, if the government will just allow it, consumers will demand transparency. And the people that choose to remain opaque with their pricing and their quality, they're going to lose business and eventually they'll come around or they'll go out of business. And that's the way this is the natural order of things. Absolutely. Absolutely. I look forward to the day a legislator asks me, what laws can we repeal to help you? Well, I've not been asked that yet. Right. I was going to ask you And that. I probably never will. Well, right. But, but having said that, yep. there's a fellow in Tennessee who has asked me to chime in on what repealing certificate of need laws in Tennessee would do for the marketplace there. So, but th- that's not what legislators, they like to make laws and they like to mandate things and what they really need to do is repeal and just, we'll let them know when they've repealed enough. Just go back to work and do that. So, you know, that's what I was going to ask you. You don't want the government to make any more laws, so you want to repeal laws. I think that makes sense. So. What are some solutions? What, what laws should we repeal? Latest ones, and then just keep moving. Okay, so like, like for instance, our viewers, what, what, what are two big ones? I'm thinking of some right now. Well, every law they pass pertaining to the healthcare industry has had unintended consequences that have far outstripped and damaged any sort of, you know, original intent uh, that anybody had. You know, Obamacare is a complete disaster. Um, to repeal that, uh, completely repeal that, yeah. and and they should repeal HIPAA, and they should repeal because HIPAA does not protect the information of the individual. HIPAA protects the government from individuals retaliating when the government steals all their information. So, um, you know, they they name these laws very carefully uh, so that you know their actual intent is cloaked. Um, it, they should repeal high tech. They should repeal any of the mandates that force people to have electronic medical records. Somebody was talking to me the other day about Medicare and you know Medicare. Those folks they're really interested in you know not spending so much money. And I'm laughing. I mean the prices I have on my website are half what Medicare pays a hospital across town that doesn't pay tax. They also still pay physician services by a physician employed by a hospital at a rate double the same services provided by a physician not employed by a hospital. So if Medicare is serious, there there are lots of things they can do. It's just important, I think, for people not to take the government seriously when they say they're part of the solution 
they are the problem. And, and they're even the problem behind the cronies uh, that have formed, and they formed this cartel. I say, you know, the cronies deserve all the tomatoes you can throw at them, but Uncle Sam's still driving the getaway car. The, the yeah. federal government is has auctioned off all of the favors that have resulted in this system people hate. And so the idea of turning the whole thing over to them is just not logical in my mind. No, I don't think there would be a fix. And I think I think one of the simpler fixes at first, like you speak of the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, is you know it, states could because it's it's so harder to fix at the federal level. I get it. And I want to believe me. And I think eventually it'll implode on itself because we just can't afford it. But you know, states can opt out of Obamacare, and I think that would be an easy one or, or an easier one if states opt out of it, and then they don't have to be mandated with all the things that follow Obamacare. So then they could start making up their own their own system. Um, although I'm not in favor of states states providing providing healthcare either. But um, and I think ultimately, I mean, what it comes down to is you know repeal the Medicare Act. I mean, honest to gosh, truth. I mean, most politicians are never ever have the guts. But even Rand Paul and Ron Paul usually would not stand up and say, well, yeah, I know, it's a Ponzi scheme, it's a rip-off, it's, it's bankrupting us, we need to get rid of it now. Yeah, and I, I, I tell people Medicare doesn't need to be tweaked or reformed. Medicare needs a competitor. Um, and, and then it will go away. And what, what will be there for people who are currently uh, under Medicare will be better, it'll be cheaper, it'll be more efficient, it'll, anyhow. Yeah, it's true. But and, and right now, because of the age of Medicare and the mandates of Medicare, there's not really a competitor. The government has a monopoly on that market, pretty much. Yeah, and if you don't sign up for Medicare, they ding your Social Security. It's a monopoly. It's a, it's, it's a scam. Now, I'll tell you a good way to create a bunch of liberty-loving, libertarian young people who, unfortunately, many, many of them are uh, very attracted to socialism. Um, you can kind of hardly blame them because they're being forced to pay for socialist schemes like Medicare and Social Security after paycheck. I, I thought the other day, why don't we just uh, give all the young people an opt-out and just say, you, you are now tax-exempt, just like these hospitals that are going to sue you if you don't pay your bill. You don't have to pay Medicare or Social Security taxes. And immediately, you would have a bunch of libertarian young people in the United States. Uh, they would... Uh, and to ever go back and take that money away from them, um, I, I think that there would be a revolt. But I, it'd be easy to turn, to basically extend the same favor to to young people and anybody else, frankly, that wanted to take advantage of that, extend the same favor to them that the government has extended to the hospitals. Make, make them tax exempt. Make, make it right. so both parties in the exchange of buying and selling health care have the same tax status. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. So how about you, Jay? What, what do you got to, to add to Ted this today? Yeah, as far as you know, the things that we run into from a regulatory standpoint that uh, really impair um, our ability to help our clients and the patients, um, you know, the, the, there were, you know, the Affordable Care Act could, could be repealed lock, stock, and barrel, and I wouldn't shed a tear. It would be a good thing. But within there, there are some things that are probably more egregious, uh, at least for for a self-insured employer. And really, what most of them are, they have to do with plan design. Um, most 
videos don't even know what I'm talking about there, but I mean, uh, the, the Affordable Care Act imposed all sorts of things where you can, you have to cover this, and you have to cover this like this, and you can't not cover that, and you, I mean, and most of it, as people would hear on uh, the Today Show or whatever, it was all spun as these are positives. Well, you know, we're in that business. We have a front row seat to it. And when, for instance, they said that, you know, a, a benefit plan could not have any annual limits. Well, you know, we've been doing this for almost 50 years, well, over 50 years now, um, from when my father started this company. It was extremely rare when you would see a million dollar claim. It happened, but it was pretty rare. Um, nowadays, it's a common occurrence. If you talk to a, a reinsurance company that is, you know, on the hook for those big, big dollars, it is a it is a regular occurrence where they have multiple million dollar medical claims on single individuals. That is a direct result of the Affordable Care Act, Affordable yep. Care Act, right? Um, you know, if there's if you can't put a limit on it, it's kind of like a blank check. Yeah, and that's what you see. Uh, another thing that we deal with, and the direct primary care physicians deal with on a regular basis, is you know the ability to use HSA funds to pay for a direct primary care membership. There's a lot of states that uh, have looked at direct primary care and they choose to view it as insurance and then have it be regulated by insurance. Those are all stifling um, for kind of DIY reform. Um, another thing that, that we see is uh, there are certain plan designs out there um, in conjunction with health savings accounts, which health savings accounts, most people say, oh, those are great. Those are consumer-driven um, insurance plans. Well, one of the issues with a health savings account is if somebody chooses to use Surgery Center of Oklahoma, he gives he, he requires cash. So if you're an individual, he's got best pricing out there, but you've got to write him a check for the amount at the or finance it. But he expects 100% payment, not 80% after a deductible or whatever. So for our self-funded employers within the plan design, if they use a high-value medical provider like Surgery Center of Oklahoma, the employer waives that deductible, that coinsurance. So the patients literally can get a service for free. Not if you're on a qualified um, high-deductible health plan that's used for a health savings scam because the feds won't allow the employer to provide their employees free health care if they buy it from a medical provider that could end up saving the employer tons of money. It's it, it, So you, you scratch your head. And these are things that the regulators, sometimes you think, well, they're an evil genius. I, I think they just didn't, they, they just were ignorant of the unintended consequences. My guess is they probably knew what they were doing and they were lobbied by a big blue and said, oh, well, no, I mean... I would generally believe that, you know? <laughs> except when that law was put into place, this type of healthcare really was so rare. Yeah, I yeah. So, um, I, trust me, on another topic, I could certainly say <laughs> right, it's intentionally, right. and, and I'm going right there with you, but I, I think this one is just a, an unintended consequence, and, and I think since those health savings accounts are tax-advantaged, I just don't think that the feds want to loosen the grip on them. So. Yeah, and so what about... Um, what about TPAs and pre-existing medical conditions? Does that have anything to do in when you're um, negotiating this plan or setting a plan up for somebody? You know, I think that would be, uh, actually, I don't have a problem with, you know, no pre-existing conditions. I think ultimately it's been a good thing. I think it's also, though, I think it's important to bear in mind that I think that was something that the market 
that's a solution that the market could have come up with uh, if left to its own devices. Um, it was, you know, we've seen all sorts of features and different benefit, um, uh, you know, uh, positive things in the in the benefits business that have come about, not because of a government mandate, but because of consumer demand. I think um, not having pre-existing condition limitations would have ultimately been one of those things. The fact that the feds just kind of laid down the law and said you're not going to have pre-existing conditions, I don't think is a bad thing. Um, by now, it's kind of been mixed into the underwriting risk now. Um, and that's one of the things that I, I think I would be reluctant to see go away uh, because it can create some pretty severe hardships yeah. uh, for individuals. And ultimately, I've had a discussion with Dr. Smith before, and I do believe this in, you know, just being in healthcare myself, is that ultimately pre-existing conditions, you know, most chronic conditions don't have to be expensive to treat. I mean, what we've really done is because of the model we have, we created... You, you know, uh, you know, we created a we created a big business out of treating chronic conditions, where in reality they shouldn't really be that expensive to treat. Right. And if you use the right, if if you navigate the system right, they're not expensive to treat. So great. Well, it looks like we're about running out of time. Anything you guys want to want to end with? I would uh, mention I, the I, conference. Courage. Yeah, we'll talk about the the conference uh, annual free market medical association end of April in Dallas. Uh, that's worth checking out. Um, anybody that has some medical need and they actually have the sticker shock of a buyer, whether it's a self-funded employer, an individual, a member of a cost-sharing ministry, you know, somebody with a high deductible, you know, somebody that has one of these Blue United Cigna Aetna plans that you know, they're wondering, can I buy the care that I need for less than this ridiculous deductible? They, they should go to the Free Market Medical Association website and check out Shop Health. Uh, there there will be a lot of answers there. Um, if the, the care that somebody needs is not listed there, um, there's contact information. There, I'm very accessible at the Surgery Service Oklahoma's website. I answer emails really all day long from people that are looking for looking for solutions because they actually do care what it costs. Um, so the, the conference is just going to be sensational. Uh, last year's was, uh, I thought it was going to be hard to beat. Ron Paul was our keynote uh, last year. Oh, just awesome. give you an idea of, the, of what the conference is like. Awesome. So it'll be, um, it'll be a wonderful conference, and, and that website really, and Shop Health in particular, is worth perusing. Awesome. FMMA.org. Okay. All right. Well, that wraps up our, our interview. Thank you guys so much. Absolutely. Thank you. All right.